0: Thank you for listening to the Family Worship Center Podcast. This week, Pastor Phillips speaks on how Jesus was tempted his first day on the job. The Bible tells us that he was tempted in every like manner as we are. And so uh, he had to pass the test in order for us to see, number one, that he was the Son of God. Number two, that we can, through him and through the gift of the Holy Spirit, overcome temptation in our own lives. We hope you enjoy this week's message entitled, Temptation. We're going to be talking this morning about temptation. Anybody ever face temptation? Every day? Yes? (laughs) Because that's the way it happens. Uh, Every one of us, sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable to talk about. Sometimes people think, well, pastor's going to be naming names and pointing fingers and all that stuff. No, that's not my goal this morning. But I want to talk to you about facing temptation because it's something that we all do, and we're all going to see that test over and over and over again in our lives. And the prime example of how to face temptation and come out on the other side of it unscathed is, of course, Jesus Christ. And we know that uh, Jesus faced temptation really early in his, in his ministry. Uh, fact is, the way I've put it in my sermon is it was his first day on the job. And he was facing temptation. So we're going to read the scriptures involved here. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. And then we're going to skip over and finish it up in Matthew's Gospel. But Mark chapter 1, verse 9 One day Jesus came from Nazareth in uh, in Galilee, and John baptized him in the River Jordan. I realize this is captured in several of the gospel accounts, but this is that time whenever John the Baptist has already got his ministry going, Jesus comes, John the Baptist acknowledges him and says, Behold the Lamb of God. And everybody takes notice and says, Wow, that's awesome. Jesus is baptized, and the next day John sees him again and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And at that time, some of John's disciples began to follow Jesus. Left John, began to follow Jesus. And sometimes in ministry, the, the greatest sight that we can see is the back of somebody as they follow Jesus instead of us. Amen? I don't want you following me. Brother Philip's not your example. Jesus Christ is your example amen so as jesus came up out of the water he saw the heavens splitting apart and the holy spirit descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy if you ever want an example of the trinity in the word that is a prime example Jesus is in the water. The Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove, rests upon him. And then a voice from heaven comes and says, This is my son, in whom I'm greatly pleased. So, then the Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. His first day on the job. We're we're actually cutting off there, going to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, kind of the same account, but if you ever read your Bible through, keep in mind that Mark has ADD. Okay, uh, Because he just flips from one thing to the next. And, and sometimes there's little cohesion between those things. And so just keep that in mind as you're reading Mark's gospel. Because all of a sudden he's, he's in the wilderness. And then he's somewhere else. And then he's doing this. And then he's doing that. So as you read Mark's gospel, he's, he's got ADD. And Matthew kind of fills in the blanks there. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted, and he became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If the devil will always try to interject doubt into your relationship with God. Amen? That's how he works. If you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and and Jerusalem into the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off, throw yourself down. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test or tempt, some translations, test the Lord your God. And so next the devil took him to a high peak, uh, a very high mountain, and showed him the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. And he said, I'll give it all to you if you'll kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God, and serve only him. Amen? Then the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So, in this scripture, we see that Jesus was very much tempted by all of these things, as we all would be. The Bible tells us that he was tempted in every like manner, as we are. And so, he had to pass the test in order for us to see, number one, that he was the Son of God. Number two, that we can, through him... And through the gift of the Holy Spirit, overcome temptation in our own lives. And so uh, there's a few little ground rules I guess we want to look at before we get into the message a a, a whole bunch. And that is that we all face temptation. Every one of us, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, every day of our lives. Now, some temptations are big, some temptations are small, some are different uh, for everybody... You know, here's the thing, as I've shared with you. I never, even when I was lost, even when I did not know God, one of the scruples that I had, even as an unbeliever, is I never did drugs. We won't go any further than that, because everything else, I pretty much tried it. And so the thing is, drugs have never been a temptation to me. But there are other things that were a temptation and are a temptation to me. Just like with you. Some of you can walk by a huge buffet with all kinds of good food on it and don't even think a thing about it. For some of us, that becomes a problem. Amen? As I was talking about, I think it was Wednesday night. Uh, if I remember right, gluttony is one of those seven deadly sins. Amen? Uh, it's a socially acceptable sin in our society. But the thing is, it's not pleasing to God. Amen? So the thing that I'm telling you is for every person, every one of us could stand up here and say, these are the things that I'm tempted by. These are the things that I never give a second thought. Just because my temptation isn't your temptation and your temptation isn't mine, doesn't mean it's any less. Amen? So in in some way, shape, form, or fashion, every one of us, every day, is tempted to sin. It might be gossip. It might be I deal with a lot of money, and I work, and I see opportunities. Maybe I could slip a little of that in my own pocket. You know, it might be opportunities like I was talking about. Maybe you did drugs. Maybe now you're you're a believer in Christ, but yet there's people in your life, family, friends, somebody that puts you in that temptation's way that they're using, and boy, that's just something that really has a hold on you. There have been people, and I've dealt with, uh part of my background is that i dealt with people in substance abuse treatment centers i was a counselor and one of the things that i've I've talked to people who were who use drugs and they said somebody could use and they said i would actually start to salivate like i was hungry but i was just longing for that so much that it was just like it was such a draw to me it was like me smelling a good hamburger amen and And so I'm telling you that every one of us faces temptation in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Number two, ground rule. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's what we do with it. It's how we handle it. It's not a sin to be tempted. If it was a sin to be tempted, then Jesus just sinned three times. And the Bible tells us that he was totally sinless. So we know that it's not a sin to be tempted. The other thing is that we know that Jesus left us the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to the Father, and because I'm going to the Father, that means that the promise is going to be fulfilled because I ask him to send you another comforter. Somebody who's going to be with you always. The Holy Spirit, our guide, our counselor. uh, The one that's going to be with us always. And if we are full of the Holy Spirit, then by his power, not by our own, how many of you have ever proved that you're not real strong against temptation? Oh, yeah. Everybody ought to be raising their hand on that one. Some way, shape, form, or fashion. We've all given in to it. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and that promise that we have Him dwelling within us, guess what? We have the power to resist just like Jesus did. So those are our ground rules. We're going to get into this and and we're going to look at it. How do we overcome temptation when we're facing it? How do we come out on the good side of it? Now realize this is Jesus' first day on the job. Jesus had not heretofore ever preached a sermon. Jesus had not done any miracles. Jesus had done nothing, nothing, that we would consider full-time Christian ministry. It was his first day on the job. And here he was, tempted. What had he done to this point? He had been a carpenter's son, probably worked in his dad's carpenter shop. And so really and truly, when we look at it, it was his first day on the job as the Savior. And here it is. He's tempted. Anybody ever remember their first day on the job anywhere and how sometimes frightening it was? I'll never forget when I hired in. I was uh, was 18 years old and I hired in off the street into a plant working maintenance. And I knew I, I, I could weld anything, okay? I could fix anything mechanical. But there were some things. I was pretty weak in electrical at that time and, 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 and just didn't know some things. And everybody doesn't know something, okay? That's, that's just being ignorant. Ignorant is I don't know something. I don't know nuclear physics, okay? So I'm ignorant in nuclear physics. doesn't mean I'm stupid. Stupid is, okay, the big difference here. If you've never heard this before, you can write this down somewhere. Ignorant is I don't know. Stupid is, I don't know that I don't know. Amen? So that's whenever you start spouting off in areas that you don't know anything about. That's when you prove that you're stupid. And so uh, everybody's ignorant of something. So I'll never forget, I hired in off the street into maintenance, first day on the job, and I bring in my tools in a toolbox, and before I could even get, get them set down take my coat off, the supervisor on the day shift said, come on, bud, go with me. And so we walk over to this huge machine, and he said, this is a Surftran thermal deburring machine. It, it has 100,000 pounds of pressure on it. It uses natural gas and liquid oxygen to, to deburr these parts thermally. It burns the edges off of it, in other words. And he said, now, one slight move, and you can blow this whole place up. Now, let's climb up on top of it and start working. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my gosh. What have I got myself into? I don't know anything about a surf Surftran thermal deburring machine. But come to find out, that guy was just kind of messing with me a little bit. He was just that kind. And so, I mean, I knew how to work on stuff. But sometimes we encounter things, especially on our first day on the job, that kind of blow us out of the water. Some of you remember your first day on a job that was particularly tough or maybe people gave you gave you an assignment that was way over your head. It was a small town. And the local sheriff had put a put a position out. He needed a deputy. And so sign was up posted all over town. So this guy, who was known that he wasn't really the sharpest tool in the shed, uh goes in one day and he sees the sees the ad for the job. He walks in and he says, Hi, Sheriff. He said, I'm here to apply for the job. And this sheriff's like, Oh my gosh. Maybe I shouldn't have put this out in public. Maybe I should have just put it in the circles. And so this guy's not the sharpest tool in the shed. And so the sheriff says, I'm going to dispatch this pretty quick. So he says, I'm going to ask him a question. He won't know the answer. And he says, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have this over. And he said, uh, Coy, he said, what is one and one? Coy, thanks for a minute. He said, well, that's 11, Sheriff. Sheriff's like, you know, that's not really where I was headed with that. But, you know, you're right. One and one is 11. And so he asked him another question. He's going to trip him up. And he says, how many days of the week began with the letter T? Coy thinks for a minute. He says, okay, I got the answer. Okay, what is it? Today and tomorrow. And the sheriff, you know, he says, again, that's not really where I was headed with that. But I can't deny that you're, you know, you're correct. And so... um, he, he, he's thinking, he's thinking, what can I do to trip this guy up? And he says, uh, oh, I know one. He said, how many seconds in a year? And so Coy, you know, starts doing, you know, this number. He says, okay, Sheriff, I got the answer. All right, Coy, what is it? Twelve. Twelve seconds in a year? What are you, are you crazy? And he said, well, there's January 2nd, February 2nd. <laughs> So again, not really where I was headed with that, but I can't deny that the boy is right on that. So he finally, he says, I, I'm going to come up with a question that this guy is not going to know the answer. And so he finally says, he says, Coy, I got one more question for you. He said, who shot and killed Abraham Lincoln? He said, Sheriff, I don't know the answer to that one. The sheriff said, you know, he kind of popped his suspenders. He said, well, I got him on this one. And he said, Coy, he said, you just go on home and think about that and you get back to me if you come up with an answer. So he, he thinks he's done good. So Coy is walking down the street, gets almost back to where he was headed and he sees some of his friends on the sidewalk and they said, Hey, hey, I heard you went and applied for the job. How'd it go? They're ready for, for him to tell how the sheriff just ate him up and spit him out. And he says, well, it went really, really good. Oh, it did. Yep. Yeah. Said it went great. Said fact is I've got the job. And he said, you got the job? What do you mean? He said, well, it's my first day on the job, and he's already given me a murder case. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Sometimes we have these first day on the job, and (laughs) sometimes we get more than we were planning for fact is, this is supposed to be a true story. I heard this one. It was this florist, and and it was a busy season of the year, so he hires a, a new assistant, and they know floral work, but maybe again, not the sharpest tool in the shed. And so uh, he hires them, and the day that they show up, the very day that they show up, it, 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 they're working, they've worked all morning. in the mid-afternoon, the florist gets a phone call, it's a family emergency, got to go. And so he tells this person, "You're the only one here." You're the only one that can handle the store. I've got to go and tend to this. Nobody else can do it. You're the only one here. Just answer the phone and do everything they tell you to do. Exactly. Okay? Nothing else. Nothing more, nothing less. Just answer the phone and do exactly what they tell you to do. So, sure enough, gets a phone call. And the person on the phone tells them said, "Well, I've had a family member pass away, and I want, I want this big floral arrangement, and I want a ribbon on it." In fact is, what I want is, I, I, I want a ribbon, and I want it to say, "Rest in peace." fact is, I want it on both sides. And if there's room, meet me in heaven." And so whenever the floral arrangement gets to the funeral home that day, it's the longest ribbon you've ever seen, and it says, rest in peace on both sides, and if there's room, meet me in heaven. <laughs> first day on the job. Sometimes it can be rough. <laughs> it's supposed to be a true story. I heard that a long time ago. So here we are, Jesus' first day on the job, and he's already facing temptation. Already something come up that's tripping him up. Already something coming up that was not planned, was not expected. That's generally how temptation comes. If we're expecting it, it's not that much of a temptation. But here's the thing. Anytime we're doing something for God, we're going to face temptation. Especially if we're doing something for God. And so how did Jesus, what what were the, his temptations? How did he face them? How did he overcome them? Number one, temptation was Turn the stone into bread. And that is the temptation to use power for the wrong reason. And you might be saying, well, Brother Philip, I don't have a problem with this because I don't have any power. Well, here's the thing. If you're a child of God, you've got power. If you're a mom or a dad, you've got power. If you work somewhere, if you're over something, you've got power. And so the thing that sometimes we don't really realize is... Uh, we 've got an effect on people, our children for sure those are the those are the people that we 're shaping in this life that we 're hoping to do our very 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 best and raise them up in the adults that are productive in society, doing what they need to do, being good people, all that kind of thing. I wish every child can i wish a manual popped out first, and then the baby amen. Cause every one of them are different and sometimes you just don't know how to handle them. And, and the thing is, but you've got power. If you're a mom or a dad or you work somewhere or you, or, or you influence people, you have power. And so Jesus here, He's the Son of God and you just got to consider where He was. He, he had been fasting for 40 days. Guarantee you He was hungry. Amen. It wasn't just hungry. It was a hunger. I don't know about you, if you've ever taken, taken time and fasted, uh, when that fast is over, guarantee you, you're hungry. And so Jesus is weak. He's hungry. And, and one of the things that I always tell people is never, ever, ever, if you can help it at all, don't make a decision. There, the, I use the word halt, H-A-L-T, halt. Never face a conflict. Never try to put yourself under stress when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You look at the Bible, and all the people, Jacob and Esau, remember Esau was hungry? He'd been out hunting, and he comes in and, and gives up his birthright for a pot of stew. Never make a decision, never get in a conflict, never, husband and wife, never discuss anything. Amen. It's okay to look at them. We We never discuss anything. She knows if I'm hungry, it is not going to be a good conversation. Amen? And everybody's not that way. But I get kind of cranky if I get too hungry. She can feed me a meal, and we can sit down and talk about anything you want to talk about because it's okay. But when I'm hungry, some people, it's angry. Some people have a hard time with their temper. Uh, That may be your temptation. That may be the area to blow your top just about anything and everything. When you're lonely, when you feel like you're all alone. You remember Elijah? Whenever he was alone, that was whenever he's, you know, he, he just had the greatest victory ever recorded in the Bible against all those prophets on that mountainside. God comes down, consumes his sacrifice. He slays all these, all these idle prophets and then goes out in the desert and he says, God, I'm the only one left serving you. Would you just go ahead and kill me too? Amen? Hungry? Angry, lonely, tired. Not a good time to do anything. So Jesus, here he is, no way to get out of this, but he's hungry. And all of a sudden he's facing this temptation and he he could have. Now he's he's the Son of God. He has all the power. You know, he says, All power in heaven and earth's been given unto me. And so he could have, I mean, he could have snapped his fingers and there'd have been a steak and potato dinner right there. Amen. But he knew that that wasn't the way to do it. And so it's, it's the temptation to use our power for the wrong reason. Sometimes maybe, maybe we hire on somewhere. Maybe it was our first day and we did really good and we got to come back for the second day. And, and maybe somewhere down the line we get a, 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 a raise, a promotion. And all of a sudden maybe, maybe we're over people and maybe we forgot. It's awfully easy to forget where you came from. Amen. And sometimes maybe we become that person. It's awfully easy to become the person you hate the most. Anybody ever have a boss that they just like, I just can't stand you? If your boss is in here, don't raise your hand. (laughs) And then all of a sudden maybe they move on up and you get the chance to take that position. And all of a sudden you see, hey, maybe why he had to make some of those tough decisions. Or maybe why he was like he was. And, and you know, sometimes it, it is a tough place to be. You, uh, you, you achieve something and all of a sudden you become the person or the thing that you hated the most. And so we, we've got to watch using power for the wrong reasons. We, that's, that's one of the biggest temptations. That's what Jesus was facing here. He had the power. That was not the question. The question was, are you going to use that power for something trivial? Are you going to use that power for something self-serving or are you going to do it to better the kingdom? We all have power. Every one of us has power in some sense of it. We also have power, like I was talking about when we were taking up the offer. We've all got the power of this world, which is called money. Okay? You don't think it's power? Okay? I'm driving a pickup truck. I can take this power in my wallet And I can take this little bitty plastic deal. And I can slip that little plastic deal in this pump. And you know what? I got the power to get gas out of there. Amen? I can take, uh, let me see what I got in here today. Oh, I do happen to have a 20. If I'm hungry, I can take that and I can go get me something to eat. $20 bill. It won't be a big meal, but it'll be something. Amen? Nowadays, a $20 bill might get you a hamburger and fries. But you see what I'm saying? It's power. So what are we going to use that for? How are we going to use that power? Are we going to use it for good? Are we going to use it for bad? You can t- take that same $20 bill and probably get get something that would mess you up. Amen? She's spend it on drugs. I don't know these, these days what that would get. But uh, I, I know back when I was dealing with people in substance abuse stuff, that would your an eight ball. Nobody's going to fess up on that one, are they? <laughs> Nobody's going to help me out. So the thing that, that, that we've got to realize is we've got power. So the thing that we have the opportunity to do, we can make our money and we can keep 110% of it. But God gives us the opportunity to get in on what he's doing. So if I made $200 this week, and I want to take that 20, which is strangely enough 10%, I can invest that. I can spend it, I can waste it, or I can invest it. Every, everything we've got like that. Spend it, waste it. Same thing with your time. You can spend your time, you can waste your time. How many of us, how many, boy this is where I'm so guilty. How many of you, maybe you got an appointment and you got 30 minutes. I just need something to waste that time. You'll never get it back. Never get that back. So, back to this. If I made $200 this week, God gives me the opportunity to invest it. In what? The kingdom. He says, if I'll do that, that what, what is he going to do? He's going to open up the windows of heaven. Pour me out a blessing There won't be room enough to contain it. That's his promise. Give, it'll be given back to you. Press down, shake it together, run it over. Well, hello. Do I want to take this $20 bill and buy me a Happy Meal? That won't make me happy. Guarantee you. You ever seen one of those? You can buy a Happy Meal, and it won't make you happy, or you can invest it in the kingdom. Now, and I'm not talking out of the side of my mouth. This is something I've done for years. fact is, this is one of those things that I believe to the nth degree. You can never outgive God. God will always give it, get it back to you. It may not be monetarily, but you know what? Your washing machine washes a little longer. Your air condition conditions a little longer. Your car runs a little longer. It's, it's the blessing of the Lord, and there's no price to put on it. But he gives us a chance to make the exchange. It's saying, God, I trust you more than I trust my money. And oh, my, 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 do we put a lot of trust in our money. We trust it to do a lot of things for us, and so what i 'm telling you is what we 've got to do is realize that everything God puts in our hands is a gift from Him. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to use that power how are we, how are we going to, how are we going to invest in the kingdom or are we going to just spend it on ourselves or are we going to waste it, it it's a question that we all have to face, and that that is part of temptation and see it's it's Sometimes we put so much trust in this world that we can see, taste, feel, and touch. I mean, we think this is real. Seems real. Is that chair you're sitting in real? Hope so, or you're sitting on the floor. But what I'm telling you is we put so much emphasis and trust in this world, when it and, and we think the spiritual realm is sometimes kind of spooky. One of, the, one of the quotes that I hate so bad in church world is, God works in mysterious ways. That's not in our Bibles, amen? It's not in there. But what God does do is work in a systematic way. He answers our prayers. And most I'm telling you, you can find anything you want to know about God in this word. He's not mysterious, and he doesn't mean for it to be mysterious. Fact is he said that he's got he has chosen to reveal the mysteries of the ages through the church. That means we get to know it. Amen. It means it's not a mystery. It's not a strange thing to know God to know about God to know what he thinks and how he how he feels toward us and so the thing that I'm telling you is that is that we put so much stock in this world that we think is real. When what's really real is the spiritual realm. And there's just this thin veil that sometimes we have a hard time understanding between this one and the next. Randy. One minute he's here in this world, the next minute he has stepped through that veil into the other world. Is Randy still alive? Oh, yes. Because he had put his trust in Jesus. Amen? It's real. That's forever. This is temporary. That was first. This is second. It was the spiritual realm that gave birth to the physical realm when God said, let there be, and it was. But yet we put so much trust in this right here. See, here's the thing. You can buy a house, but you cannot buy a home. You can buy medicine, you cannot buy healing. You you can buy friends, but you can't buy true friends. The one that sticks closer than a brother. That's who Jesus said he was. You, you can buy a clock, but you can't buy time. And so what I'm telling you is we've all got power and we've all got to choose. Am I going to spend it on me? Am I going to waste it on stuff and things? And how many of us in this room have enough stuff and things? Me for one. Some of us got so many stuff and things that our car lives outside. Because our garage is full of our stuff and things. We got a choice. And the blessing of God is worth more than any of it. Amen. The, the blessing of being able to. I, I know you guys are hurting. And I, you know that's one of those things. But to know that Randy is with God. What a blessing. I've been with families that did not have that knowledge. What a horrible confused place to be. And, and I'm telling you, God's blessings go beyond any monetary amount if, we, if we'll let it, if we'll do that exchange. Number two, jump onto the rocks. Gain popularity by performance. Jesus, I'm going to take you up to this high place, and if you'll throw yourself down, you're going to amaze and amuse the people. They'll forever be your friends till you don't jump anymore. Amen? And sometimes what that does is puts in us a desire to please people instead of please God. And so this this, this whole thing is about our temptation. Sometimes we are tempted. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you were tempted? Again, maybe back to the things that tempt you, maybe your friends are doing that tempt you. How many of you have ever been in a situation when, when something was going on around you and you said, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't really even want to be here. And it comes your way. You're going to do it or you're not. You're going to be a part of the crowd or are you going to stick out like a sore thumb. And how many times have we ever went along to get along? And so Jesus could have went and he could have. I believe, once again, he's God. I believe that the devil always puts enough truth in there to make us feel tempted. It's enough truth to make us buy into it. And yes, that psalm does say that he'll let the angels keep you from even stumping your toe, to put it in the correct vernacular. You won't even dash your foot on a rock or stump your toe, but the angels will bear you up. I believe Jesus could have flung himself off that highest point of the temple, and the angels would have kept him from crashing. Amen? But what point would it have proved? All it would have been doing was playing to the crown. And so... Sometimes we, we just, we, we try to gain popularity by what we do. How many times in school did we give in to peer pressure? How many times in school do our kids face that peer pressure? We need to encourage our kids and empower our kids. Be your own person. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. And sometimes we as parents don't communicate that well because what we say is if everybody was jumping off a bridge, would you do it? We need to let them realize that, hey, we're empowered through the Holy Spirit to be able to, to be able to say no, to be able to be our own person, to be able to, to be able to have our own thoughts and ideas and, and believe what God believes and, and run with that. And so what we have to do is we have to begin, and this is, this has been a biggie for me. We have to train ourselves not to fear what man thinks. If we become people pleasers, and that's what the temptation was, gain popularity by performance. If you're a people pleaser, it's hard to be a God pleaser. Amen? Number three. Serve the wrong master. Idolatry. And this is one where, you know, in our nation, we don't have a lot of idols, even though we have American Idol that everybody watched that show. But we don't have a lot of false gods plastered around everywhere that we have to face the temptation of worship in that. But it's, who will you worship? And sometimes even the better question is, what will we worship? There's a story that I heard one time. It was about this guy. He was a really, really wealthy guy. And he had hit, hit Wall Street and was doing investing and all this kind of stuff and just filthy, what we would classify as filthy, stinking rich. And so, boy, he's got it all, clothes, car, all that kind of stuff. And so one day, he's, he's gone and bought him a brand-new BMW. And he is just so proud of this thing. He just stands out there in the garage and polishes on it all the time, and this is just his pride and joy. And one day, he pulls up at work, and uh, he flips the mirror down, fixes his hair, makes it just thus and so, opens up the door, and about that time here along comes his car, boom, rips the door off his car. And he is out in the street, and he's like, "I cannot believe this! This guy wasn't watching. He wasn't watching what what he was doing. He ran over my new car! I can't believe he ruined my BMW!" And so the policeman had already got there, and they're standing out there. And the policeman said, "Sir," he said, "I'm not being judgmental at all, but he said, I think you might be a little materialistic." And that guy said, What do you mean, materialistic? This guy came out of nowhere and demolished my brand new car. And he said, Well, sir, he said, uh, The reason I think you might be a little materialistic is because you're really, really going on about your car, but he said your left arm was still attached to it. And the guy says, Oh, no, my Rolex. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> you thought I was going somewhere with that one, didn't you? <laughs> My wife's over here going, Oh, can't believe it. But sometimes we get hung up on the things of this world and how much money we got and all the things that go along with that. When sometimes God's just saying, Would you just invest in me? Would you would you go for me? In Malachi, there is a, a one little verse that says that God sets as a refiner. And a purifier of silver. And this little verse, there was a, a ladies' group that was doing this Bible study, and they came to that verse, and it kind of stumped them. And so they're wondering what it means. This one lady, she says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a lot of research on this and figure out what this means." It says that he sits as a, as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And so she does some research, and she finds out that there's a refining process, and that people that are going to make things out of silver that they, they you know use heat and they they melt the silver and all this kind of stuff. So she finally calls somebody who is a, a jewelry maker, and says, "I want to come and watch your process. I just I won't bother you. I just want to I would just want to stand and watch and, and watch what ha- what happens and everything." So this guy, he's got a little burner and he got a little pot. And he puts some pieces of silver in there and melts them down, and they're kind of dull looking. And so, you know, she says, what about this fire? She says, how long do you leave it in there? And he says, well, it's just one of those things you just have to know. And he said, the mixture of the silver has sometimes something different to do with it. Some can take a little more heat, but if you put too much heat, it ruins it, it... Uh, separates the metals and it, it's no longer any good, so you can't get it too hot. And if you don't get it hot enough, it won't do what it's supposed to do. And so he get, you know, he holds it over the fire and he's sitting there looking at it the whole time. And she says, Well, do you have to stand there and attend to it the whole time? He said, Oh, yeah, you can't leave it for a second unattended. And so he puts this, it's actually wax, but they call it flux. And this flux, all of a sudden, it gets even duller. And she said, What's that doing? He said, This is bringing all the impurities out of it. And then he takes this little thing and begins to rake all of the impurities off of the top. And she said, what's that doing? He said, well, this is just separating the impurities and making this this silver very, very pure. And she said, well, how can you tell when it's done? And he said, oh, that's easy because I see my reflection in it. And see, that's the way we are. We're going to be in the fire. Temptation is going to come our way. The good thing is to know that God is standing there over us, never leaving us unattended. And he'll never let us burn. He'll never let us overcook. He knows exactly how much we can take. And whenever we're done, and I've seen this in my own life, whenever we come through temptation after temptation after temptation, it gets impurities out of us. We realize where we're at, where our heart is, the things that don't please God, the things that are bent toward us and the things that are bent toward God. And the more we go through it, the way that he knows, and this is why he says he sets us a refiner and a purifier of silver. The more we go through temptation, the more we come out successfully, the more impurities come out of us. And how do we know that we're going through that process? Because down the line we begin to look a whole lot more like him. Amen? Our life is a mirror. And whatever we're looking at, whatever our eyes are on, tends to reflect. You can, you can see in a moment what people are interested in. Whatever, whatever it is that their mind is on, it doesn't take it very long until it comes out. Amen? It might be bowling. It might be basketball. It might be fishing. It might be knitting. Whatever it is. You give them a moment, they'll tell you what's on their mind. And the thing is, nothing wrong with all those things as long as down deep in our heart, we're beginning to reflect the Lord. Amen? He sets as a refiner and a purifier of silver. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we all face temptation. I don't know who this was for. As I was putting this together this week, I just felt like it was going to be for somebody here. Maybe there's somebody here in this room that's facing great temptation lately. Or maybe there's temptation coming up. Lord, we all want to pass the test. We all want to get through this. And Lord, the way that Jesus did it ultimately was the way that we've got to do it. And that is by the Word. Turn these stones into bread. You don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Word is how we're going to overcome temptation in our lives. Jump down from that highest point in the pinnacle of the temple. We're going to be tempted to please people instead of God. Or, like with Jesus, the devil came in and said, I'll give you everything in this world if you'll just bow down and worship me. It would have been the the end of Jesus. And it would be the end of us if we did that. The devil may flash some shiny things in your face, but it'll never be worth what God can do for you and in your life and the ultimate goal of heaven that we have. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for strengthening every one of us. And I believe, Lord, as we face temptation, these things are going to come to our mind. And Lord, we know what your word says, and that's how we're going to overcome it. You said you know the plans you have for us, plans to do is good and not evil, to bring us an expected end. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us that. Well, every head's bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and maybe you're saying, preacher, I... I don't know God like you're talking about knowing Him. Maybe I've never even prayed. Maybe I've never had that relationship with Him. Or maybe I had it once, but I've walked away from it. Maybe I've grown cold to that. Whatever it is, if you're just simply saying in your heart, I want to make things right with God. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you, not going to call your name, not going to call you up front. But if you're here this morning simply saying, I want to make things right with God, just so I'll know who I'm praying with, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you? I just want to make things right with God. Yes. Anyone else? Very quickly. Not going to embarrass you. Not going to call your name. You can just slip your hand up. Say, preacher, pray with me. Yes. Yes. Anyone else? Very quickly. You can just slip that hand up and back down. Here's what I want to do. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to mean it from your heart. And you know, the Lord hears even the slightest whisper of a prayer. And you can pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me. I've missed it. I have done things. I've given in to temptation. I've done wrong. I've sinned. And Lord, I know that you will forgive that. If I come to you with the right heart. And in the name of Jesus, I ask you if you would forgive me. For all that stuff I've done that would separate us. Lord, I want to be right with you. And Lord Jesus, I accept what you did on that cross. You died in my place. You died for my sin. You died so that I could not go to hell, but that I could go to heaven. So I ask you, while I'm here on this earth, would you lead me, guide me, direct me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for loving me and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope it deepens your relationship with Christ. If you've enjoyed this week's message, please subscribe and rate us. And if you're ever in the Beaumont area, please visit our church on 1170 Montrose Avenue in Beaumont, Texas. On Wednesdays at 630 and Sundays at 1030. We'll be back next week.